But today, my message is in response to a word that I received from a trusted intercessor here at World Outreach Worship Center. I'm not going to disclose their name because, number one, they don't want to be known publicly, and that's not their heart. And I'm taking this word that they gave me. They actually, the Lord gave them this word. They had not been able to sleep or eat well for over 10 days. And even before we went on our vacation, they had this word, but they didn't want to give it to me because they didn't want it to mess my vacation up. And I do appreciate that. And uh, I, I just... They just did it the right way, and uh, if I'd have known this, I would have not been able to enjoy time away, but I take this word as a serious caution for this congregation for the times that we're living in. Uh, It has to do with a warning, I believe, from the Lord about the enemy's attack, uh, not only on this congregation, but I feel like it is already happening in congregations everywhere. It's happening on the world scene of people that are not even believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't think it's only a word of caution for us. Uh, I think it's for multiple people. But, I, but yet I say it is for us here today also. So I'm not in fear because the greater one lives in us. And he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says that. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 1 John 4, 4, he says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, overcome the things in the world, the principalities in the world, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So here is that word of caution or warning that I believe each one of us needs to take heart to, okay, in this congregation, those of you that are listening live streaming. It says, here's the beginning of the quote, The Lord told me to take authority over the hindering spirits that would try to stop revival at Wow Center. He said the enemy will try using sexual misconduct, racism, petty arguments, and the lack of pressing in to do the things of God. Four areas. The Lord said, this does not mean that Wow Center is full of bad people. Thank the Lord it said that. But the Spirit of the Lord says the enemy is trying to disqualify good people from being used by me, the Lord. The Spirit of God would also say that Jew and Gentile and all the races worshiping and serving together at Wow Center has my attention, says the Lord. Unfortunately, it also has the enemy's attention. Keep pressing in, for pressing in brings breakthrough. Breakthrough brings outpouring. Outpouring ushers in the glory. Whatever you want to call it, revival, awakening, reformation, it is near. End of quote. Now I asked the Lord, what do I do with this word, Lord? Is this for me to personally, privately pray over it? Of course, it is that. And how do I, do I, and how do I present it to this congregation so we can appropriately and accurately deal with what's being said? Now, this morning, I'm very serious today. To me, it's a very serious word. And I'm really going to ask you to respect God's word today because my next comments are only scripture. It's only scripture is what. So I would appreciate it if you'd not let the enemy distract you And maybe some of these things don't apply to you uh, in a a very personal way. I think they probably will in some general ways. But you don't know who's in this room or who's listening that God is speaking this word to today, that you're being distracted in, in and out and doing stuff will hinder them. So I really ask you to respect, and I don't say that often, but I ask you to respect God's word today and uh, respect this message today because... I'm just giving you, and this, what, what I, when I prayed and asked the Lord, what am I supposed to do? I simply felt like the Lord say, well, I said, Lord, what's the word for this Sunday? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you take that message and you find in my scriptures how to respond to that message. I said, okay. So today I simply bring to you God's word on these four issues that the Lord said the enemy would try to disqualify, attack, any of us, all of us, none of us are above the enemy's attacks, folks. doesn't matter how old, how solid, how established, how spiritual you are in the Lord. The devil hates every one of us. But more than that, God's already shown us this one. His love for us is stronger than the enemy's hate for us. Thank God for that. 
So the enemy would try to attempt to stop us from doing God's will. He hates it, take people out of commission and disqualify us. So just straightforward, I'm going to give you God's word about these different areas today. The first one, sexual misconduct. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 13, I'm going to read lengthy portions of scripture. So if you're not used to reading a lot of the word, you're going to have to hang in today because it's important you hear it. It's very important. I just want, Father, I just pray over this right now. I pray over this. I don't have to pray over your word. It is anointed. But I pray over myself again as a messenger. I pray over all of us, including myself, as a hearer. That, Lord, we would hear what the Spirit is saying today. And, Lord, we would respond to you favorably, Lord, in the way that would bring your blessing and your mercy and grace upon us today, Lord. Give us ears to hear, and Lord, as James says, not just to be hearers, but then become obedient doers of your word. We pray it for your kingdom's advancement in the wonderful name of Yeshua, Jesus. Amen, Lord. Ephesians 5, 1 through 13, be imitators of God as his dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling aroma. So right off it just says, be imitators of God. Be like God as his dear children. The number one thing he tells us, walk in love. In this time that we're living in, the scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, it says that, that sin would abound, it would increase to such a degree and a level that the love of many would wax or grow cold. And we all experience that battle. And if you're not, you will. You get so frustrated with people. You get so frustrated with situations. We get so frustrated with the evil that has increasingly happened. Something happened in our neighborhood just yesterday that the, almost the entire Newport News police and SWAT teams and, and fire department was down in the neighborhood here off Woodside Lane. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a barricaded situation. And thank God nobody was shot or hurt or killed. But it could have been. This is not in inner city L.A. This is in Denby, Virginia, Newport News. So we're seeing evil all around us. And it causes our love to wax cold or to withdraw. So he said, walk in love. Then he gets real specific. He says, but fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous person who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, what things? The things he just listed. Fornication, foolish talk, coarse jesting, covetousness, uncleanness. Because of these things, the wrath of God, the anger of God comes upon the sons or the children of disobedience. Here's the instruction. Therefore, do not be take partakers with them. Don't be a partaker with people that live this way. Christian or non-Christian. Now, I realize we witness to non-Christians and they live that lifestyle. It's, it's one thing to witness to them and minister to them. It's another thing to run with them and participate in sin with them. Two different. Jesus could be with them and not sin. If you can't be with them and not sin, then don't get around them. You're not strong enough. I said I wouldn't mess with it. Okay. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this. Stop fooling yourself. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. For you were once darkness. How many of you were in darkness one time in your life? We all were. But now, he said, you're the light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose them in your own life. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, dig me up, reveal it, show me, deal with me. Lord, expose it in my family. Lord, expose it in our government. Lord, expose it in the church. 
It's rough when it gets exposed in the church because you've got to deal with it, and it's a whole different world. So he says, expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. And then just simply, how do you respond to that word in Ephesians 5? Verse 14 gives us the response, proper response. Awake. Awake you that are asleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I'm not going to try to pick apart each word in this, but awake simply means wake up. And arise means get up to start moving to perform some action. Don't just wake up and lay there, or don't just wake up and say, okay, I'm It says arise. Get up and prepare yourself for action. Do something. Arise from the dead. You were asleep. You're asleep. You're not watching your spiritual life. You're, you know, the enemy prowls. I started to find, and I have before found a video of a lion attacking and how stealthily a lion attacks its prey and how viciously it attacks. I started to find some, but some of you would call PETA on me and say, oh, he's showing. No, I don't think you would, but I would hope you wouldn't. But and I said, you know, maybe that's a little bit too much. But awake, you that are asleep. Arise, get up for action. And then he uses these words. See that you walk circumspectly. Now, I don't go around using that word every day. So what does circumspectly mean? It means cautiously. We're living in a day that uh, Paul told Timothy, perilous times, dangerous days. These are spiritually dangerous days. We've got people that are in high positions in ministry. I, I still haven't taken the time to find out what this guy's name was again in the book, but he wrote a book about marriage, and all of a sudden in the last month or two, he said, I, he said forget it. He said, I'm no longer a Christian. I recant from being a Christian. And just right behind him, there was another high-profile Christian musician, singer, worshiper, that says, I'm no longer a Christian either. What's going on? Well, the Bible says in the last days there's going to be what? A great falling away. You need to watch. You need to be careful who you listen to, the Christian music. That person better have some theology, right, correct, accurate Bible theology behind the words and the lyrics that they're singing. Or they're just singing a melody to you and putting you to sleep and leading you away from the Lord. Then we got people, we got people, preachers, I, I wasn't going to do this. We got people out there preaching that says universalism is okay. Uh, you know, Jesus died for everybody on the cross. Yeshua died for everybody on the cross. Everybody's in. It's like, what's the game that we used to play? Ali, Ali, hide and go seek. Ali, Ali, in free. Everybody come home. You remember? Y'all aren't that young. <laughs> you just won't confess. Hide and go seek, and then after they couldn't find it, everybody, Ali, Ali, in free, everybody come home. That's not God. God loves us. <laughs> he loves us so incredibly. He sent his only begotten son to become the sin sacrifice for us, to die in your place because you deserved it, to face the terrors, the horrors of hell because we each one deserved it so that we could escape it and become his children, and live in eternity with him. And that universalism, that doctrine that's resurfaced and going around now, that it doesn't matter what you do, how you live, it's okay. God's like, oh, blind, deaf, dumb grandpa. I just, oh, it's okay. I didn't mean all that about sin. Uh, you know, just come on in. It's going to be all right. There's a life to live as a child of God. We're supposed to be changed. We're supposed to be changed when we become a Christian, a believer. The power of God gives us new birth, new life. We're supposed to be changed and live a new life, a different life, a holy life, a holy life. That's a beautiful word. A holiness is a beautiful word. It doesn't mean that a woman wears her sleeves down to her wrist and, and, and her dress is down dragging on the floor and she looks like an old barn that needs several coats of paint and primer. It always picks on the women. Religions always pick on you women. And the men get away with all kinds of garbage and stuff and sin. That's not holiness. Holiness is this, what's in here. It's the purity of your heart towards the Lord. Now, the Bible does talk about, and I didn't want to mess with this, but the Bible does talk about we should dress and appear modestly. Don't dress in a way and don't act in a way, don't talk in a way that you cause people to lust after you and desire you, whether you're a man or a woman. You're representing the kingdom of God, the Savior. I can't help it. I'm a pastor. I'm going to poke you today. 
He said, see that you walk circumspectly. That word means cautiously, sensitively, as a person walks through a thorn-infested field. What do you do when you walk through a thorn-infested field? You're watching out that it doesn't what, grab you, stick you, or a mine-laden field. So you don't step on something to explode and get blown up. Listen, the enemy's out there. He's got all kinds of thorn traps. He has all kinds of mines hidden to blow your life up, to blow your marriage up, to blow your individual life up, to blow your kids up. The devil hates us. He's there. He's an enemy. He's a lion seeking to devour whom he can. And it says, so walk carefully, cautiously, sensitively, not as fools. The Bible says, don't call anybody a fool, but a fool that walks like a person, a person that walks like that. He said, don't walk as a fool. Don't walk as a, and what the fool means, it means a person who ignores God's Torah, God's ways. That's the fool who ignores God's ways. But as a wise person, what does a wise person do? They hear God's ways and they obey God's ways and they, and they change their life to follow God's ways. Whatever it means to change. And then he goes on to say these famous verses, redeeming the time. And what that means is capitalizing on every appropriate opportunity to do righteousness. Capitalizing on every opportunity, appropriate opportunity to do righteousness. Why? Because the days are evil. Time's running out, folks. The clock is ticking on every one of our mortal lives, yes. But the time is running out. The days are evil. The Lord is going to come. When the cup of iniquity gets full in this world, the Lord, that whatever that is in God's mind, the Lord's going to say, enough. And the Lord Yeshua Jesus is going to return. Thank God. He said, therefore, don't be unwise. He says it again, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, that continual refilling with the Holy Spirit. And what that really means is stop partaking of the things of the world that don't bring you closer to the Lord, that seek to become an idol, replacing your first love for God and His Son. That's what idols are. No matter what it is, whatever takes first place, takes God out of first place in your life, it's become an idol to you. It could be your children. It could be your marriage. It could be your spouse. Jesus, the Lord's got to be first. I said this to somebody recently, one of my Friday prayer buddies. There was a time several years ago. Sylvia and I were close. You know, we're close. We've been married 45 years plus now. We're close and, and, and knew each other two years before we were married. But the devil started tormenting me a few years ago and says, I'm going to take your wife. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, something's going to happen to her. I'm going to kill. Every time she went off by herself, the enemy would bombard me. She's going to get in a wreck. She's going to get killed. She's going to get hurt. Or, or just, and just tormented me for weeks into months. And I prayed about it, and I rebuked it, and I fought it. And, you know, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I just rebuked this. I pray over her. We pray every day. We pray protection over the cars, over our day, over our lives, over our marriage, over our money, over our finances, over our We cover it all. If I don't get it, she gets it. And the devil's just tormenting me. And one day the Holy Spirit said, did you not have me before you had her? And it just, yes. Did you not do well with me before I gave you her? And I said, yes. The Lord said, it's not going to happen. But if it were to happen, I'm going to take care of you. And you will be all right. And stop letting the enemy buffet you. And I turned to the enemy. I said, did you hear that devil? I said, in Jesus' name, so shut up and be rebuked. He never bothered me with it again. But I said, Lord, you are first. You are first. And he must be first. So just so there's no misunderstanding what the word and these words are saying this morning, let's define some of these terms in biblical language. Not in today's loose morality language and in today's semantic. Let's, say, let's see what the Bible says these words mean. What does fornication mean? It comes from the word pornea. Well, that sounds real familiar to us, doesn't it? Especially nowadays. And what that means is illicit sexual intercourse, which includes premarital sex. Now, I realize some of you, now, let me say this. I realize some of you here today are going, that's not me. And I'm not saying it's you. 
I'm saying that the potential is there from that word that was given. The potential is there that the enemy would like to attack this congregation and disqualify us through sexual misconduct. So what I'm doing is what Paul said to, to Timothy to do is read the word publicly so that your, his people, God's people will know. So fornication means illicit sexual intercourse including premarital sex, sex outside of covenant of marriage. If you're not married and you're living together and you're having sex together, you are committing fornication. And I don't condemn you. I pray the Holy Spirit help you to go get married. I'll help you do that. But stop living in that relationship because you're spoiling the purity of the marriage relationship that God really wants you to enjoy. And you're also a bad testimony to the marriage relationship that the Father and His Son, Jesus Yeshua, wants to have with His church, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our marriage is a picture of that heavenly relationship. It's holy. It's sacred. And today, I, I can't even go into all that. Today, marriage is just so flippantly looked at. And the world's trying to define marriage. You know all those ways. Transgender. Listen, it's not going to stop. They're going to start passing laws that it's okay to have marriage and be married to an animal. Bestiality. Listen, read Romans 1. The corruption of man's mind without God. There's no limit to the depravity it can fall into. And these are the very things we're seeing happening. I never thought I'd live in a day. I mean, I've read the Bible when I was first a new Christian and said, man, that'd be a bad day. We're in it. This is it. That premarital sex, sex outside of marriage, whether it's vaginal. I'm, listen, we're adults, so this is it. Whether it's vaginal, oral, anal, incest, or any other kind of sexual activity, it's listed under fornication. It can also include adultery. But typically adultery is listed separately. Adultery is when you're married and you go out and have illicit relationship with either somebody else married or somebody else single. But you violated the marital covenant. Fornication is when you're just free and, you know, you're just going out doing. Obviously the word pornography comes from this word pornea, fornication. So fornication, it, it does include the viewing and all involvement of pornographic material. Whatever way that you see it, view it, entertain yourself with it. Now it's just so easy. On your phone. I just pulled out an article that we'll see, the men will see in authentic manhood under this threat to our marriage. That pornography, when it, and, and this startled me. I guess I'm grown naive since I've become a Christian. This startled me that they're not as many, but there are women that are as involved in pornography. There are many women that are involved in pornography too nowadays. And I'm just going, what? And we're going to, I have a handout, five ways that pornography will destroy you as a person, as a man. And one of them is your marriage. And one of them definitely is your relationship with God. Don't be deceived, the scriptures are telling us. Don't think you can do this and get by. It affects your soul. It affects your spirit. God says that people that participate in that and many other sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news today. I'm trying to be the bearer of truth today because God nor I want you to miss out on the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' words himself, Matthew 5, 28, I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman or a man it works both ways. To lust after him has committed adultery with him or her already in his heart. I haven't seen this, but Sylvia told me that what happened in California, it's happened here. She said, yeah, you were in the grocery line. Some guy was eyeballing you, looking you up and down. I said, oh, my God. She said, I wanted to go over there and just knock his head off. I said, that would have been a good fight. I said, really? I said, Sick. Listen to what the early church, which it hadn't changed. We think all oh, the early church, you know, they're a bunch of old people. They're a bunch of fuddy-duddies. They don't, you know, they were just old-timers. They had old ways of doing it. Listen, there's some standards in God's word. It's never going to change because it's God's character. God, God's not, I got news for you. God's not going to change his moral standard code. He's going to bend it. He's not going to loosen it just because you think you're worthy or cute or special or in by something this new age of grace in Acts chapter 15 when they were dealing with 
when the Jewish people, the Jewish church, predominantly the Jewish church, you know it was first the Jewish church, amen? Thank God for the Jewish people and God's revelation to the Jews, amen, amen, come on. God just let us in, be grafted in. Thank God, you better be thankful today you were let grafted in. The revelation was first to his chosen people, the Jewish people. And so those apostles, they had to deal with the Gentile church. The Gentile church, these were pagan people. Do you understand the Greek mythology and Roman mythology and their idol worship? They had women and men statues in all their cities, life-size models, fully featuring all private parts, painted to look the natural color of the human body. You know what that was? Every day those people, whether they went to school, whether they went to the market, whether they went to the river, whether they went to wash their clothes, every day they had to walk in the midst of all of these statues. What was it? It was public pornography. Paul was writing to Christians that were Gentile, pagan, heathen, that came out of that culture that used to enjoy the bathhouses where homosexuality and, and, and all kinds of sexual actions, acts were performed. And even the temple, they had prostitutes there, both men and women, that part of the worship to the gods was to perform sex because their, their gods were so sexually, sensually, orient, in nature oriented. And Paul's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. Listen, we're not far off from that culture back then, folks, today. We are rapidly getting to where as pagan and heathenistic as they were. See, we think, oh, we're so modern, we're so smart, we're so sophisticated, we've got all this modern media and technology, and we're so educated. But when the heart doesn't know God, it'll be just as corrupt as most pagan backward people that there ever were. Paul's writing to them in Acts 15. How do we address them? How, do we, how does the church address these people that have come from paganism, now Christians? He said, we will go to them, at Acts 15, 20, and then 28 and 29. We will go to them as apostles and teach them to be set free from offering sacrifice to idols. And why? Because I just explained it. Sexual immorality. And eating anything strangled or with any blood. That's still a good practice today, folks. Thank you guys for scriptures. For it pleased, listen to this, for it pleased who? Us, people, man? No, for it pleased the Holy Spirit, who is God. For it pleased the Holy Spirit and us that we not place any unnecessary burden on you, meaning you new Christians from Gentile paganism background, except for the following restrictions. In other words, they no longer had to be circumcised Whew. for them, except that you, uh, for the following restrictions, stay away from anything sacrificed to a pagan idol, from eating what is strangled or with any blood, and from any form of sexual immorality. I want to tell you what, as a child of God, as a pastor, as somebody that cares for my own spirituality, my own marriage, for you... Stay away from sexual immorality in, in any of its forms. Watching, reading, those love novel stuff. People still read those love novel stuff. Some people, they're addicted to those love stories. That's not good. It's not healthy for your marriage. It puts in your mind maybe sexual expectations that your partner can't do, can't live up to. And that's what pornography does. No, no man or no woman can do those things that they do. Oh, they could, but they would pervert. They would, they would corrupt their conscience. 1 Corinthians 6.13, pretty plain. The body was not created for illicit sex. Well, it's created for sex within the covenant of marriage. But not for illicit sex, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus for who can, who can fill the body with himself. Galatians 5.19. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Your carnal, selfish life that's opposed to God that Paul says in Romans. The cravings of the self-life, they're obvious. List number one, sexual immorality. That's a self-life, sexual immorality. Lustful thoughts. Pornography. It lists it in the Bible. Pornography. Chasing after things instead of God. Worldly, material, desires, possessions, covetousness is the biblical word it uses. 
the manipulation of others, hating of those who get in your way, Ooh. senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. That's a lot of pride going on there. Being envious of the blessings of others. Wow. Murder. The Bible says if you hate somebody, Jesus said it. If you hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. Same context. If you lust after somebody, you're guilty of adultery or fornication. Uncontrolled addictions. Opioid medications. Paul said, I will not let anything control my life. Now, I'm not preaching against you going to the doctor and medications if you really need it. I've known people in this town that were close to me that were on over 25 different medications at one time. At one time. And I told them, I said, there's no way that those medications are not conflicting with each other and doing, wreaking havoc in your body. You need to go to a, a real doctor and find out what you really need. But I am saying that if you're addicted, Jesus is the one that can set you free. And he's the one that can heal us. He is. He is. Wild parties and all similar behavior. Ephesians 5, back to Ephesians 5, 3 and 5. Have nothing. I was amazed when I started looking at it. And this is not all of them. I had to quit because it got to be so many pages. I had to quit. Jesus and Paul said so much about this very one topic, fornication, sexual immorality. And, and intermixed in this is our, our, our first love for God and, and then our, our love for self, which gets us in trouble. But back to Ephesians 5, 3 and 5. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, lust, or greed. For you are his holy ones, sanctified ones. And that word is such a beautiful word. It means set apart. I don't know about you, but God took me out of darkness, fornication, addiction, lying, cheating, misery, selfishness. He took me out of that darkness, and he's transferred and translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. He's given me a reason and a passion to live, and it's for him. It's to know him. It's not to do ministry. It's to know him, number one. When Jesus came into my heart, February 21, 1971, I came alive and realized this is what I've been missing all my life. I was 18 years old. This is what I've been missing, and I'm finally alive. I felt finally alive. And those people didn't know me, and I didn't know them. And I got up from that altar, and I said, this is, I will, whatever I do the rest of my life, it'll be for God. I just knew it. I didn't know what capacity. I just knew it. I just, when you get born again, a purpose, a reason, a passion will come into your life. The lights will come on for the first time. You don't even know what love is until you encounter God's love. And that's the real love. So we're sanctified. We're brought out of, but we're brought into. Every day I said, Lord, before my, I'm saying I... It is a habit with me, but I don't want it to be a routine. Before my feet, or as my feet touch the ground, I say, Jesus, I acknowledge you are Lord. Be my Lord today. Because I can't live a minute without him. And our final words laying in that bed as we pillow our head is, Lord Jesus, if we've done anything and anything we've done, cleanse us, wash us with your blood, forgive us and cleanse us. That if we pass in our sleep or you come in our sleep, we go with you. I don't want to be left in this world. I've got to have him. And we ask angels to just come stay in the house. Just be in the house tonight and just watch over us and keep us and protect us. And Y'all raid the refrigerator if that's what you want to do or whatever you want to do. You won't get much in the refrigerator, but just help yourself. Make yourself at home. It goes on to say, guard your speech. Guard your speech. Forsake obscenities and worthless insults. They're nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. When I said that about how I wake up and how I goes, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. 
But that's my cry is because I'm not. I need him. I need him. I'm desperate for him because I mess up. I think carnal stuff. I think mean thoughts sometimes. I think mean thoughts. I know you never do, but I do. And I need his help. I need his mercy. I need his forgiveness. So he says, forsake that. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. For Here it is again. For it has been made clear to you already that the kingdom of God. Please hear this today from a heart of love, from God's heart of love and his word. For it's been made clear to you already that the kingdom of God cannot be accessed, accessed by anyone who's guilty of sexual sin or who is impure or greedy. For greed is the essence of idolatry. Greed is the essence of idolatry. If you're greedy, that greed will take over your heart and it'll steal first place that only the Lord deserves in your heart. And it'll become an idol. Whatever you're greedy for can become an idol. Paul said, seek after spiritual gifts. Crave. Actually, the word is is the word, strong word, it's the word lust. But it's lust in a good way to so desire spiritual gifts and the things of God. Be be jealous for those things. And then Colossians 3.5. This is how we're supposed to live. Live as one who's died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Pastor, why are you talking about all this? Because that's what the enemy, that's what the Lord said the enemy was going to try to use is sexual misconduct. And I'm telling you today, none of us are above it. We need to guard ourselves and build into our heart these scriptures, God's word, and prayer, and everything, all the spiritual disciplines we can to stay clean and stay pure. Live as one who's died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who's died to diseases and desires for forbidden things. There are some things that are forbidden. I don't care what the world says. The world says today, oh, anything goes. So anything's okay. No, it's not. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful for me. How I translate that, it may be okay for me to do a lot of things, but it may not bring me closer to the Lord. Therefore, I stay away from it. If I'm weak in that area, and I may be weak in an area you're not weak in. If I'm weak in it and you can do it, I may be not, I not be able to do it. Don't judge me because I can't do it. But yet, don't, I'm not to judge you because you have the freedom to do it. As long as it's within the confines of this word, okay? Let's qualify that. D- including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. So he said, you know, don't seek the desire to be wealthy. Because it's the essence of idol worship. You, if you're not careful and you can't handle it, you can start worshiping the money or the, or the riches or the power or the fame. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these violent acts of disobedience. 1 Thessalonians 4, last scripture in this section. There's, like I said, there's many more. But this is the last one I'll use today in this section about sexual misconduct. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. People say, well, I don't know God's will for my life. Well, here's a good clue. God's will is for you to be set apart for him in holiness. Try that one. But I don't know what he wants me to do. And I, well, if you'll start there to be set apart for him in holiness, I guarantee you, I promise you, God promises you on the basis of his word, if you'll set him apart in holiness in your life, in your heart, he's going to guide you, show you, provide for you, open doors for you. He's going to amaze you with his provision. The person that seeks to do God's will with all their heart, God makes a way for them. The rest of that verse says, set yourself apart for him in holiness, and that you may keep yourself unpolluted from sexual defilement. How much plainer can God's word be to us living in the day of sexual freedom and liberation and promiscuity that we live in today as a child of God? Say, Pastor, and I realize not everybody in this congregation may be dealing with this, but I know some are. And I know the enemy is there, and from that word, the enemy is trying to launch an attack against us to bring us down through sexual misconduct. What was the next thing the Holy Spirit said? Racism. I've seen it. I've seen it in this church. I recently have been accused that I am a member of secret organizations that hate black people, that I'm prejudiced, but I don't know it, that we treat the African-Americans, 
I'm not even sure what to call y'all anymore. I just call y'all brothers and sisters. You're just people to me. And I used to say I don't see color, but that's not right. You do have a different color. And I honor that difference of color. Because God made you that way. And I honor God made you in that creation. We used to say, well, I'm colorblind. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, I'm not prejudiced. We all are to a point. I've been told that I was, we treated our black folks in the congregation as indentured servants. Listen, when they started serving me being an armor bearer, I said, I don't want it. When him and Darren, I said, I don't want it. I don't want it to appear that some black man is serving a white man. I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't want to present that picture. I don't want to present that image. But they kept insisting. They said, Pastor, this is our gifting. This is our calling. Please let us fulfill it. Pastor Collins didn't want it. I don't want that appearance. I'm no better than anybody else in this room. And because of my skin color, I'm no better than any other race in this world. And if I ever learned this, we learned it on the floor in, Cam- in Marwa, Cameroon. When we had communion with those people, when we repented to them for what our white ancestors had done to their black people and brought them into slavery. Cameroon was one of the leading nations that, that captured the blacks. And you know what they did? Even their own tribes would capture, uh, capture other weaker tribes and sell them to the white slave traders. They were even guilty of it. But when we repented to them on that floor, that man from Marwa stood up, and big old six-foot-five gentleman, Christian brother, and he said, these people, these white people have come, and they've asked us to forgive them of, of enslaving our people in slavery. And he said, we must forgive them because God sent 25 years ago two white missionaries to our people, the Masa people, and we, we killed them and we cut them up into pieces. And he said, the Lord had been dealing with them. This right, this wrong had to be righted. And now here these, Jerry Parks was with us. And now here these three white missionaries are coming again to give us God's word. And we must apologize and repent to you for what our people have done to your people. You know what happened? We all ended up on the floor. Dirty, nasty floor. Crying. Tears. Snot. Hugging. Asking each other for forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're all my children. You just live in different neighborhoods. And it it forever, it forever changed me. And I don't want to go back. I mean, I I never viewed, I mean, I, I was born in Gulfport, Mississippi. Philomena, you know how prejudiced it is. I'm sure your family has suffered. It's, it, it's, it's, it's gotten a little bit better, but not a whole lot. There's still a lot of racial st- stress and stuff going on. And many, some of you from the deep south, you know what I'm talking about. But raised predominantly in Atlanta by a dad from Wisconsin and a mom from Louisiana. What a mix. My mom was a secretary to the chief of medicine at the VA hospital on Claremont Road in Decatur, Georgia. You know who her boss was? Doctor, I don't know his first name, Dr. Crutcher. He was a Jewish doctor. Most of those interns that my mom served under, with Dr. Crutcher were Jewish interns. My mama taught me you don't ever speak bad about them or black people or anybody. I'd have gotten my T-A-L-E, torn up. Is that the right one? T-A-I-L, torn T-A-L. <laughs> Both of them. I ain't hooked on phonics either. <laughs> wow in all of its ministries has always taken the biblical stand that God is the creator of all mankind. He created the nations of people with the languages, the dialects, and the skin color. When Jesus opened the book... In, in the book of Revelation, when they open the seals of the book, Revelation 5, 9 through 10, it says, And they sang a new song. Who's they? All the people of the world that were redeemed, that were redeemed. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, nation. That sounds like everybody to me. That's accepted him as Lord and Savior. And you have made us unto our God kings and priests. And we, we 
shall reign on the earth. Serving him together, we will reign. You're not going to serve me. I'm not going to, I mean, you're, I'm not going to lord it over you. You're not going to lord it. We together will serve him on the earth. When asked by his disciples what would be the signs, some of the signs of his return, Jesus responded in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear wars, rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. What's going on now? For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. These are but the beginnings of sorrows, it says. But here's what Jesus said next. Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes. I guess you can include hurricanes in that in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You know this, but that word nation translated is ethnos. It means races, tribes, other people groups. Yes, it could be used as an example of the United States pitted against Russia or China or whoever. It could be that, but it does, it's not there. It's more properly understood as people groups or cultures against people groups and cultures within the same nation. That's what's happening in America. See, we dealt with that in the 60s. I remember reading, seeing on TV all those riots. This is before even color TV came out. I remember those news forecasts on the ri- racial riots and how vicious and, and harmful and, and just horrible they were. I remember that as a kid. We're not far off from that now. We're not much better today. But that's what it says is going to happen. And that means that people within the same nation are going to rise up and fight each other. We're seeing it. But it's not supposed to happen here. It's not supposed to happen among us as God's people. What does it say? Galatians 3, 26 through 29. For you all become true children of God by faith in Jesus, the anointed one. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, Yeshua, the anointed one. And now you are covered and clothed with his anointing. And we no longer see each other in our former state. Jew, non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we are all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. Let it be said, racialism is not welcome at World Outreach Worship Center. Prejudice is not welcome here. And as Pastor Collins said it, I said it too. You better never come to me saying it because I will put you in your place. You're welcome to be here, but you'll be put in your place because we don't live like that because God loves everybody. The Latino, the Asian, the black, the white, the red, red, yellow, black, and white, they're all, just like the kids we teach, they're all precious in his sight, and they are. And they better get precious in our sight because we're going to live in eternity with each other. Romans 10, 12 to 13. And if I take some school and ministry time, please forgive me, but I've got to get this out of me today. Romans 10, 12 and 13. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Even though we honor the culture, even though we honor the belief, even though we honor their personage, even though we honor their ethnicity. In the Lord, we all, the, the, the ground at Calvary, the cross is level ground. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, the Gentile, the non-Jew, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Thank God. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then Ephesians 2, 13 through 19, but now in Christ Jesus, you once that are far off, that's me, and that's us as Gentiles, we're brought near by the blood of Yeshua Christ. For he himself is our peace, and he has made both us, us, he has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There ain't no more room for hatred. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We're no longer strangers and alien, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We live in different neighborhoods today, literally. 
We may live in some variances of spiritual neighborhoods today. But the day's coming. We're all gathered in him. And in heaven and then on earth again, we reign as fellow citizens together. The third thing the Holy Spirit was warning us was, was petty arguments. Again, I appeal to Paul talking to Christians, believers in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, I as a prisoner of the Lord urge, urge that strong admonition, encouragement, that you walk worthy of the calling of which you're called with all lowliness, which is modesty and humility. That's what lowliness means. Modesty and humility and meekness with long suffering. God created marriage and God creates relationships to kill us. He does. To kill your flesh. To kill your selfishness. To kill our carnality. You work with people. You say, I got to get another job. You're going to run. Listen, when you try to run from God's will and God's will of working in your life, you say, well, I got to get another job. And I'm going to leave. You're going to go. What you're going to do, you're going to find a different face, a different name, but the same spirit. And you, tell, you thought you got away from that person that was trying you, that was, that, was, that was defying you, trying you, and defiling you, and everything else you felt like. You can't run from God's process of working on your life. And God puts people in our life to work on us. It's like they become his sandpaper in his hand to rub the rough edges off you. You're praying for them. God said, you pray for them, but I'm working on you through them. Forbearing with one another in love. If you're married, you've got to learn to do a lot of that. If you're dating, you're going to learn to do a lot of that. Forbear with one another. If you're going to walk with the Lord, you're going to have to learn to do a lot of forbearing with one another in the body of Christ together because people are different. You think they think or should think just like you. They don't and they won't and they can't. But what we have to learn to do is forbear with one another and work it out and talk it out. And I, the older I get, I wish I'd known it. Like I know it now. I wish I'd known it earlier in life. But most of the time when you sit down and talk to a person and communicate with them, it works out. You may be hotter than whatever at each other and mad and, and offended and, and grieved. But when you sit down and hear that other person's heart, what they've gone through. Philomena, if you could tell me some stories from your family, it would, it would give me a whole new perspective. I thought about this the other day. If I could understand what, if I could if I took the time to read what's happened to the Jewish people through history, it would make me understand why today they are so concerned with the way they're treated. I'm trying to say this in the right way, and it's not coming out right. We think sometimes they think they've got a persecution complex. If you'd have gone through what the Jews have gone through all their existence, you might be defensive yourself. You might feel like your life is being threatened yourself. And if we would, like the old saying, if we would walk in their shoes for a mile, we'd understand a whole lot better why they think and why they feel, why they act and react like they do. It would give us the ability to forbear with one another, have long suffering. He said endeavor. What that meant, that word endeavor means, it, I love word studies because it just helps me understand it. It says endeavor. It, that means use with all diligence, speed, and effort. Use with all diligence, speed, and effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit, Jesus died for peace. Internal peace, for us to live in peace with God among each other. But we have the responsibility to do everything within our heart, to endeavor, strive with everything within us, all the energy we can muster, all the putting our flesh down, all the, all the honoring somebody else, all the choosing not to be offended. It's a choice. He said, strive with everything in you, with all diligence, speed, and effort to keep that unity of the Spirit. The devil hates what's going on in this congregation. And Zion's sake, and Hispanic, and Korea. He hates it that we even share the same properties. He hates it that we're making an effort to get along with each other. He hates it that we're trying to share the, the facilities and, and all of the resources together. He hates it because we're trying to reach people and bring them out of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. The devil hates it. He hates a good marriage. He hates marriage at all. If you've got a bad marriage, he hates it. He's trying to tear you up. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. When Paul was dealing with the Jewish uh, believers, 
with their conflict with the Gentiles coming into faith over circumcision. In Galatians 5, 13 through 16, he had to remind them. He said, brethren, you've been called to liberty. You don't have to be circumcised, but yet don't use that as something to beat your brother down. You've been called into liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. We've got to constantly practice that daily in your marriage, in your life to others, on your job, and just daily. For the law, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Did you hear that? All the law, all God's commandment is filled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's not going to change. Galatians 5, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. If we have some kind of parasitic, you know, parasite attitude, bite, devour, gossip, talk about, run down, try to get over another brother or sister or anybody, you're, we're going to consume each other. It, lets the devil, it opens the door to the devil. The devil moves in. The devil, he just takes over. He wrecks. Listen, I've been in a church before. I was on staff that the wrong people got in leadership and the wrong people started making decisions and the wrong people started making un, unguided, unprayerful, unspirit-led decisions and it tore that place up. They were divided. People that are one time good friends went out and ate together, did things together, families, kids grew up together, became enemies. That's the kind of atmosphere the devil wants to create. But it's not going to, not supposed to be, and it's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. The Passion Translation says it this way, verse 15. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you are acting like wild beasts trying to destroy each other. Last point. The lack of pressing into the things of God. I know we have tremendous worship, thank God. I, I pray every day, I worship every day. I worship in my car, I worship in my house, I, I worship walking. You know, we're, we're a mobile tabernacle temple of God anywhere, anywhere and everywhere. But oh, when we get together like this, this service and next service, there's a little differences in it. We can't figure out why or how, but... There's a little differences in it sometimes, the dynamics of it. But the second, the second service, they come, they worship just like you do. Sometimes they're more, maybe a little more awake than you are because it's later. I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, oh, how I love to be with you as we begin to just worship him and let him inhabit the praises of his people. And he shows up. He comes and he ministers to us. You come beat up. I know that. I come beat up. I come beat up. I'm a pastor. We pastor. We come beat up. Life beats you up. Carrying other people's problems, issues on your heart, it beats you up. You're, you as a parent, you know what that's like. We're like parents. We're spiritual parents. It weighs upon us. It breaks our heart. It makes us mad at you. You get mad at your kids, we're going to get mad at our kids. We've got to press in. The enemy wants you and I to just be comfortable. Be at ease. We've got a wonderful worship leader. We've got a wonderful band. We've got a wonderful choir. We've got wonderful praisers. We've got wonderful ministries. The devil says, just, just relax. Just cope. Two scriptures have been driving me for this year. Josue's in here, Norman's in here, Pastor Rush is in here, Pastor Josue. Pastor JR's out on a, a, a missions prayer walking against abortion thing this weekend, ended up in uh, Birmingham today. The Planned Parenthood is trying to establish three buildings in historic monumental sites that are over 10,000 square feet buildings to have abortions in, in three historic areas. One is Charlotte, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Birmingham, Alabama. That's what Planned Parenthood is trying to do, to promote abortions. And J Pastor JR is with a group that they started in Richmond. They did a, a, a driving tour from Richmond to Charlotte 
and then from Charlotte through Atlanta to Birmingham, where they end up today. To, what's, what's it called? What's the name of it? It's a protest. It's a funeral procession. It's got a name to it, but it slipped my mind. We're active. These, and, and we've been doing so much, it's like, I can't believe it's September 1st. Today's September 1st. It's like, where'd the year go? You know, when you're busy, time flies. Well, I find out when you're not busy, time flies too now. But, but when you're busy, time flies. It's like, my Lord, it's already September 2019. And we're tired. As staff, we're tired. It's been so, I mean, we just got out of the summer with, with Kids uh, Kingdom Call, Kids Fest. And Diane, you recovered yet, girl? No. Josue, you recovered yet? No. He's not a morning person, so it's miraculous him even being here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Pastor Greg, Kids Fest, Kingdom Call, Kids Fest, Freedom, the Ladies Retreat. That's just in August and all the other stuff we've been doing. But this, these, this scripture has been dry, two of them been driving me. Proverbs 10.5, a son or daughter, you know, ladies, don't be, I'm, not, I'm trying to be gender right son or daughter who works hard during harvest time is successful but one who sleeps through harvest is a disgraceful son or daughter thank you I don't want to be sleeping during harvest I want the Lord to point his finger and say you slept in opportune times when the scripture said redeem the time because you knew the days were evil you slept through it you slept through the clock. You slept through the alarm going off. But one who sleeps through harvest is a disgraceful son. And then Proverbs 24, 20, verse 4, says this, The lazy will not plow in season. Well, that's when it's time to plow, folks. Whether a garden, a field, or whatever, flower bed, doing your yard this year, Jack, your grass. The lazy won't plow in season. So at harvest, he looks, but he finds nothing. In other words, if you and I don't put our hand to the plow like Scripture says, there's not going to be any harvest. I'm trying to tell you from my heart, God's trying to tell you through me today, folks, we've got to get busy for the kingdom. I know we're busy, but is your busyness what God is, your busyness God's real perfect will for you? Or are you just busy? To entertain yourself. And I'm not condemning anybody. Are you just doing stuff to just be busy? Or are you busy about the kingdom work? 1 John 2, 15 through 18. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him or her. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And this world is passing away. It really is. And the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God will remain forever. Hallelujah. Little children, it is the last time or days. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrist, whereby we know that it is the last time or the hour. Romans 13, 11, Knowing the time or the hour that now, it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed the night is far spent yeah the day is at hand so let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting or drunkenness intoxicated and that's not only by alcohol but the things of this world can intoxicate and inebriate us to where we lose our perspective not in cohabitation or chambering. What in the world's chambering and wantonness? I'd look it up. Cohabitation, ah, we know what that is. Chambering and wantonness, what it is, the biblical definition of those terms, it's lacking sexual and moral restraint and the rules for proper living. That's what this world's all about. Just do whatever you want to do. But the problem is, too many in a church are embracing that, embracing that philosophy instead of embracing the truth of God's word that is going to keep you and ensure that you have a place in eternity with the Lord. 
And he said, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Final scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, so that each one may receive what is due or our reward for the things he or she has done while they were in the body, whether good or bad. I want you to hear my heart today. Hear God's heart from his word. I am determined, whatever the plan the devil has of warning that came to us. I thank God. I thank God. Listen, this is exactly what we're teaching on Wednesday night. The Holy Spirit warns us of things to come. This prophetic word, although it wasn't good news for what the enemy is trying to do, the Lord lets us in on what the enemy is trying to do so that we can what? Run scared? No. So we can prepare ourselves. So that we can be doing what Jesus said. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. I'm determined he's not going to get me. He's not going to get me through sexual misconduct, racism, petty arguments, the lack of pressing into the Lord or any other trap, snare the enemy has. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not falling for the bait of the enemy. I've chosen, I'm going to live a life, I'm not going to be offended. Do I have to get over things and what people say? And what? Yeah, I have to get over it. I have to pray through it. But I've determined I'm going to pray through it. As much as lies within me, I'm going to live at peace with all people. By God's grace and by God's strength of the Holy Spirit. Will you join me? Will you join me? I almost feel like this is a state of the church urgent message today and I think our response is we need to give the Lord some time for us to respond to him and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this I'm going to ask you to join me in the altar I'm going to ask you to come out of the balcony I'm going to ask you to come from the main floor and, and just we come to the altar I know God's where you are he's in you I understand that but I'm asking you to join me in the altar. If you're physically able to join me in this altar today.